This is AgriPulse Daybreak for Monday, June 5th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Downey. Here's today's headlines. Will China finally lift its ban on U.S. rice? Maybe. CFTC gets budget hearing and Purdue heads north to Canada. U.S. government officials and industry representatives are all but certain China is set to lift its ban on U.S. beef next month. But what about rice? Getting the Chinese to start buying U.S. rice is turning out to be far harder than expected, and there's still relatively little optimism it will happen. White House officials have said that rice trade was one of the issues discussed during the Mar-a-Lago event when U.S. President Donald Trump and Chinese Prime Minister Xi Jinping met in April. But unlike beef, rice did not make it to the May 10 announcement by the Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross. Sources tell AgriPulse that U.S. negotiators have brought up the issue of China's rice ban in recent talks, but the Chinese have made no assurances yet. There is virtually no work left to do in actual negotiations. The U.S. and Chinese finished working out all of the sanitary and phytosanitary issues about a year ago, and both sides signed off on a deal. But the Chinese held back on ratifying it. The fact that China isn't yet buying U.S. rice is frustrating to U.S. officials. But one explained there is still some anger in China that the U.S. included rice when it filed complaints last year with the World Trade Organization. The U.S. filed two separate complaints over the country's domestic support for its farmers, as well as its failure to fill import quotas. In the meantime, U.S. negotiators are set to begin today on the final technical talks with their Chinese counterparts in Beijing over lifting China's ban on U.S. beef. Ross, in a statement on Friday, said, While the overall trade deficit continues to grow, it is too soon for the numbers to reflect the recent deal with China and other actions this administration is taking to level the balance of trade. He continued, We look forward to the July 16 deadline, which will open up the Chinese market to American beef, liquefied natural gas, and other products. The U.S. goods and services deficit with China was about $82 billion in the first quarter of this year. That's a 5.4% increase from the fourth quarter of 2016, according to the Commerce Department. CFTC gets budget hearing. J. Christopher Giancarlo, acting chairman of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, is set to defend the agency's fiscal year 2018 budget request at a House Appropriations Subcommittee hearing on Thursday, and it could be contentious. The CFTC is asking for $281.5 million. That's a $31.5 million increase from fiscal year 17. Giancarlo defends the request, saying the additional funds will cover the expansion of sophisticated econometric and quantitative analysis devoted to risk modeling, stress tests, and other stability-related evaluations necessary for market oversight. But there is dissension within the ranks of the CFTC. Commissioner Sharon Y. Bowen says the funds CFTC are asking for aren't nearly enough for the agency to regulate $430 trillion of swaps and futures products. She said in a recent statement, to use the language of leverage, we're trying to stretch each $1 of government funding we receive each year to cover $1.72 million worth of products. The math just doesn't work. Purdue heads north to Canada. 
USDA Secretary Sonny Perdue arrives in Canada today, where he's scheduled to meet with his counterpart, Canadian Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food, Lawrence McCauley. In a statement, Perdue said, The bilateral U.S.-Canada relationship is important to the prosperity of both our countries, and I look forward to strengthening this bond with our neighbors to the north moving forward. USDA officials said only that the two will discuss priority agriculture issues regarding Canada and the United States. But it's a safe bet that dairy trade will be a primary topic. The two nations are preparing to begin talks on renegotiating the North American Free Trade Agreement. U.S. President Donald Trump was sharply critical of Canada's Class 7 policy, which ensures that prices for U.S. ultra-filtered milk will be undercut by Canadian product. What's happened to you is very, very unfair, Trump said last month to U.S. dairy farmers during a trip to Wisconsin. It's another typical one-sided deal against the United States, and it's not going to be happening for long. For a full list of agriculture meetings, hearings, and legal cases for this week, don't miss our Washington Week Ahead. USDA and Interior will tag-team against regulations. USDA Secretary Sonny Perdue and Interior Secretary Ron Zenke pledged on Friday to work together when it comes to regulatory reform and removing government barriers to farmers and ranchers. Purdue, speaking with Zinke at Boise State University in Idaho, said USDA and the Department of Interior are going to constantly interact to ensure procedural process regulatory barriers will be diminished or eliminated when it comes to managing our public lands, and we need that regulatory relief that the President has promised. What do you think about climate change, and who are your friends? There's been a lot of speculation about who influenced President Donald Trump the most in his decision Thursday to pull the U.S. out of the Paris Climate Accord. But a North Carolina high school sophomore may have the best insight. It's friends, not family members, teachers, or other influencers that have the most impact on your opinions about global warming. That according to a study by 10th grader Annika Palekar, that was displayed among many others in USDA's Washington headquarters Friday. Palecar teamed up with Catherine Stevenson, an assistant professor at North Carolina State University, to take part in a research competition sponsored by Environmenters. The USDA hosts that competition. Other research entries included projects with titles like Flowering versus Non-Flowering Plants in Aquaphonics and caloric content of organic and non-organic root vegetables. A competition official said many of the students who participate move on to careers in agriculture. North Carolina plant looks to store CO2. Red Trail Energy could become the first ethanol plant of the country to store carbon dioxide underground. North Carolina Senator John Hoban said on Friday at an event at the company's plant near Richardton, as reported by the Grand Forks Herald. In May, the Environmental Protection Agency proposed granting the state's application for regulatory primacy over the type of injection wells used for long-term storage of carbon dioxide, according to Hoban. Red Trail will be able to use state-of-the-art technology to capture and store CO2, reducing emissions from the plant and enabling the company to sell ethanol to states that have emission requirements for fuels like California, the senator's office said in a news release. 
This will open up more markets for Red Trails ethanol and benefit North Dakota's farmers and energy sector. Border Patrol. The jalapenos are okay, but not the marijuana. It turns out the jalapenos being hauled in a commercial food truck across the Mexican border into the U.S. weren't the hottest commodity on board. Customs and Border Protection officials found 655 pounds of marijuana worth roughly $130,000 among the peppers when they pulled over the truck last week on the Texas side of the border. Here's today's He Said It. Our agencies oftentimes crosstalk between one another, and we're here to state the fact that we're talking eyeball to eyeball. That was USDA Chief Sonny Perdue promising that he'll work directly with Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke to cut red tape and reduce government regulations for farmers and ranchers. Well, that's Daybreak for this Monday, June 5th. AgriPulse Daybreak is brought to you by McLeod Watkinson & Miller, America's most experienced law firm in agricultural and derivatives law, and by the United Soybean Board. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak, I'm Jeff Daly.